This podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being. Being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. When people have done a lot of healing work through different modalities, there's often the impression that we need to be able to fix all our problems now and won't need to reach out to a professional. But since the nature of our being is to constantly evolve, we are bound to reach another threshold that we won't know how to cross. At that point, what really blocks these women is often the shame embodied in such voices of, I should, such as, I should know better. I should know how to handle this by myself. I should be over it by now. Not only does this not hold truth, it keeps us from the kind of growth that leads us into freedom. Valeria Telles interviews Shelley Sharon, the author of Healing the Mother Wound, Transforming a Painful Relationship with Your Mother and Stepping into Your Wholeness. Shelley Sharon is a life alignment coach, a seasoned meditation teacher, and a writer. Her life has meandered through many different vocations, she has been a professional dancer, a coffee shop owner, a sought-after consultant for effective social change, amongst other adventures. Growing up with a mentally ill mother has taught her that pain is an unfinished story, and being strong has nothing to do with doing it all by yourself. In 2011, Shelley experienced a spiritual break open and changed her life to let spirituality and inner wisdom be at the forefront of her life, rather than locked in a closet. Shelley's helping women who live a connected and engaged life face challenging feelings and old wounds so they can deepen their self-trust and healing and grow a fierce presence. So far, she has worked with hundreds of people through individual and retreat settings to lean into their inner light and discover the meaning and guidance in their life story. Originally from Israel, she's lived as a nomad for more than three years, two of which were in the East nearly two years in a remote village in the mountains of Italy, and since 2016 has made Zurich, Switzerland her home, together with her soul partner and their two white cats. Currently, she's working on her book titled Healing the Mother Wound. Meet Shelley at ShellySharon.com. Here's the interview with Shelley Sharon. In your own words, who is Shelley Sharon? Wow. Um, Shelley is a heart naturalist. She's a poetess of the present moment. Um, she's a sucker for um, drawing meaning out of anything possible in life and eventually before anything and after all she's a human and a human that experiences things and um, meets life as far as possible as it is. What do you think the mind is and thoughts are? Um, well it's kind of like difficult and I'm not sure I would even like to define the mind, perhaps I would like to characterize the mind and say that just like everything else, the mind is everything else, or it is everything. And its greatest capacity or its greatest quality is reflection. So if there is lack of clarity, if there is confusion, um, if there is sadness, if there is disconnection, then the mind will reflect that. And it will transmit that, which is another quality of the mind, through everything that we say or we do, 
So the mind is sort of like some kind of a channel and we have different channels, right? We have the heart as a channel, we have the nervous system as a channel and the mind is a very specific channel in that sense. And it speaks or manifests a big part of its activity through thoughts or thinking. Uh, let me see if I understood what you talked, explained about the mind and what that is. And it's a reflection of what the body is experiencing in a way. It tries to translate and to interpret the experience of the body. Would that be it? Yes. Um, I would say that uh, captures most of it. I'm kind of like tempting to say that the mind probably captures not only what the body is experiencing, but yes, definitely as humans, our body is the, the receptor of all other experiences that we have. So even if there are more, I'll say even celestial experiences, right? Those that are beyond our um, immediate senses, then yes, it reflects that, but it also transmits that. What is your idea of spirituality these days, Shelley? Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know what, to be honest with you, my idea of spirituality is the contact with the most simple gestures of life. Like what we're doing now is spiritual, but not just because we're engaging with spiritual content, but because there is contact with one heart to another. And earlier I was giving um, supper for my cats. And that is also spiritual, you know. Um, it's a form of care and it's a form of connection. Um, even, I don't know, me wearing this clothes, it's, it's some form of spirituality because there is some essence and substance to it. So I'm less... I'm interested in, in looking for divisions, like what is spiritual and what is not spiritual in that sense. So to me, I can say that spirituality is really when we're, when we're extracting the fullness of the contact, what we're coming in contact with. The wholeness of it, right. Which, from my perspective, I see everything as spiritual. Everything. There's nothing that's separated. Nothing that's not whole. That's not not perfect. I wouldn't say that word because then we might go into concepts of good and bad, pleasant, unpleasant and all that. But everything is life itself happening. And that's a kind of happening that's completely unknown. Yeah, I love that, as you said, that that everything is wholeness. Um, and, and that really speaks to me because there are different modes to read into reality. So it doesn't necessarily that we have alternating realities, which is perhaps the more common way of speaking about things or reality or perceptions or spirituality or physicality, but it's more about modes of, of reading into what is happening. So perhaps when we speak about uh, spirituality is a reading mode of what is more invisible or deeper layers of the superficial or the trivial or the first kind of interaction. And um, that really speaks to me of what you're referring to as, as wholeness, because everything is already in the wholeness, as you say, and everything has in itself, like we are already whole. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's very clear to me that everything is whole. There's nothing missing and nothing that needs to be different. Seems to me it's like the mind has this nature of, or the nature of the mind, as some speak, is to separate so it can judge, so it can know. So this is this um, idea that we can only kind of step away from wholeness in order to look at it and to, to make sure it is whole. And the mind can never do that because the mind is all about judgment and separation in the first place. And because when the mind does that, tries to separate itself from the wholeness that already that it is, then 
we have all these um, array of ideas and concepts. And that's when we perceive ourselves as broken or not healed or not whole. Well, actually, I think, and this is why I kind of like, in a sense, refrain from defining the mind, but more talking about its characteristics and its qualities. You know, many of my meditation students, they often complain that they have a lot of thoughts and they feel disturbed by having a lot of thoughts and they're trying to kind of like get rid of their thoughts. That's the that's the, almost the number one medi- uh, motivation of many people who uh, come to meditation today. And I often say, you know, your mind is really not the problem, but what you're doing with it, this is where the problem starts because... You know, when you have a brilliant idea and you want to start manifesting it in in your physical reality, you want to bring life into it, you're not thinking, oh, my thoughts are disturbing me. You like your thoughts. You like to have a creative process of thinking. You like to utilize your thoughts into making that brilliant idea um, happen, right? So I would say that that we we really need to be careful of vilifying anything that we have or anything that is part of the human experience that goes into feeling as well because the mind has stillness and vastness in it as well the reason why we experience a lot of thinking is because there is a conditioning in the thinking the reason that we have a lot of judgment in the mind, a lot of um, violent and aggressive uh, thinking is because it's conditioned like that. You know, it's very, it's very easy, easy to just, you know, look at what's broadcasted in the news. <laughs> what we're consuming has a lot of judgment and a lot of violence in it. So the mind, if it's a mirror, if it's a transmitter, it'll just produce that back to you in a form of thoughts. That's all. And even that reflection, that conditions that you speak of, it's all part of the whole. It's not separated. Yeah, of course, that's very clear. There's just one thing happening here. If we can say one thing, which is really what comes to me, that's not one thing. It's just it. Life, that we call it life and the experience. It just amazes me that we can even talk about it. <laughs> like, is that possible to talk about this? So healing, what is healing to you, Shelley? And what are some of the misconceptions about healing that we have? Oh, I love this question because I love so much talk about healing. <laughs> um, I think healing mainly is a relationship. It's a very, it's a very um, unique form of relationship. And that relationship is about coming home to yourself, finding a home within yourself. And we keep coming back to the word wholeness. It is that capacity to experience that sense of wholeness and to embody it in your daily life. I think one of the biggest misconceptions of healing is that something is broken and I need to fix it. Something is wrong and I need to become better of what is wrong. One of the common kind of like mantras or slogans of today's that I have to say that I really don't like is that Become a better version of yourself. <laughs> yes. <clears throat> yes. Oh my God. And I have, it's, have yeah. said that forever. I think it's because, oh, on one hand, it's kind of like it already says that what's happening to you now, who you are now, what's happening in your body, what's happening in your life, what's happening in your feeling, in your energy system, it's not good enough that not only is it not healing, but it just brings more pressure, more judgment, more friction, more suffering. That is the opposite of healing to me. So becoming the better version of yourself or better or in, in any way, anything that, that brings us onto the scale of comparison, of judgment, is not healing for me. 
And when you say return to wholeness, it's not even a return, right, Shelley? Because we have never been anything separate from it. We have been always whole. So I'm wondering what words to use. Would you say realize or because not even experience, because it's it has been the experience already, even when we didn't feel whole, we already whole. So I'm wondering what words to use here. Yeah, I think realizing is a good word. Um, It's when something becomes real. Um, I I love, for example, um, to use, you know, in, in my coaching with clients, when we're working on something that feels heavy or cluttered or unclear, like, for example, a woman wants to express herself more clearly, she feels like she's kind of like behind some kind of closed door. And whenever she wants to speak up her mind or to express her needs or to even figure out her needs, feels like she's she's somehow separated, as you said, from a sense of being whole. So in that sense, it will be something like opening that door that she makes it real, she makes it embodied in a way that she sees, oh, it's actually has always been in me because who is it that expresses the needs now? It's me. Who is it that realizes her needs? It's me. So you're absolutely right, is that realization making it real is is that integrating with our wholeness, reintegrating with our wholeness. The word realize, I like the way you said that because it's not becoming real, but it's not really coming from a person, um, an individual um, or separated uh, individual. It's really the energy just returning not even returning, but realizing. I like when you say becoming real, because that might be the only thing that's real. I mean, it is from my perspective. It's Mm -hmm. this moment now, and that's whole. Everything that's in it, everything that's happening here, it's whole. And sometimes, sometimes it doesn't feel like that. Sometimes we don't feel whole. Sometimes we don't feel energy. Sometimes we do feel separated. And that is real as well, because that is our experience. So sometimes there is a misunderstanding, especially, you know, I come from the, my, a lot of my background is Buddhist uh, meditation and Buddhist teachings. And there is a lot of reference to um, what is real and what is illusion. And there is a lot of build up into um, as referring to your question earlier, what does it mean to be spiritual or what spirituality means for me at the moment, that there is a lot of buildup of pressure to be in a certain way. And if I'm separated now, if I feel separated, if I feel lonely, if I feel sad, that is part of my reality. And I don't want to deny that. So, you know, if that is the experience in the mind, then I would like to actually start from that. I don't want to start with an image of what I should be. Again, coming back to the real feeling is to start with from where we're at now and understanding the depth of that experience and extracting the meaning or the teaching or the guidance that is in the experience, embedded in the experience. Starting from that, that will be very real for me. We're speaking about the same thing because it's not separate anyway. So it's whole that is unconditional. So everything is possible. We can experience anything, but it's even the thought, the feeling of not being whole, it's also whole, which is, um, to me, is a wonderful realization when we get to know, I mean, know that from a, not even know because there's no one to know, but it's, um, yeah, when we realize that, it really feels, Shelley, like, it is an illusion, but it is like a lot of teachers say, a dream. It's not that this is not happening. It's just that it never happened. <laughs> it's just a happening. That's what it seems to me. It's unfolding. It's the unknown here now. Yeah, I I totally agree with that. I mean, that has been my experience, and I like to talk from my own personal experience rather than to to have a kind of like. Um, hold on to conceptions because there were times that I didn't think and I didn't see 
I didn't realize that it's it's a dream. I think there is something quite fascinating about being humans that we are actually limited. You know, our body decays, we we grow old, and the body dies eventually. Um, we live in a in a in the conditions of time and space. So we are working within some form of limitations. And that to me creates quite an interesting friction that breaking through those frictions or going beyond those edges, there is a possibility to see what we were talking about, that actually everything is whole. And there is a sense of dreaming all this or being part of a dream. I'm, I'm kind of like very cautious about the word illusion because sometimes it makes fe- people feel that their experience is um, excluded. And, uh, and so I'm, I'm very cautious about, you know, the, the, the kind of using that kind of concept. But, uh, but you know, personally, I totally resonate with that. And I'd say that, that beyond the edges of our consciousness, there is definitely a vastness that that from which we can really have that the direct experience of how everything is whole, how everything is possible, and how working with this unknown or with this vastness within the constraints of time and space is a very interesting alchemy, very interesting. Like when we are dreaming at night, it really feels like it's real. We don't doubt that. I don't doubt that I'm in the dream. Although I have had lucid dreams, they call it, where I knew I was dreaming. Other than that, we're always like accepting what's happening as real. In that, let's say, state, then it, it is real. Like within the dream, it's a real dream. It makes it real in the dream. So whatever happens, we feel here with the body. I do like the word dream, though, more than illusion. Because it seems like we're imagining everything. <laughs> everything is being imagined. It's not really created even. Nothing has been created. I don't know who is imagining because there's nobody here. So that's interesting too. So everything is like this dream, which when we dream at night, we don't know who is creating the all the scenarios. We can say the mind is, whatever it is, but we don't really know. It's just this amazing unknowing, just unknown happening that doesn't have to, but it, it is anyway. I remember my most direct experience with what we're talking about here is when I asked, when something asked, when I asked the question, I guess, uh, who am I or what am I doing here? And then the answer was, you're not. Nobody is. (laughs) See, but that was not an experience. It was just a sort of, we can say, realization. But then I was really clear. There's not even a here, actually. It's just everywhere. Yeah, that's when... Everything that I had studied, that I have read, I I interview a lot of non-duality teachers that I had learned intellectually and even at the experiential level, it made sense. Like, okay, now it makes sense because it didn't before. I mean, I don't know to what makes sense. So life itself is just trying to, I don't know, it's trying to realize itself, it seems to me. So there's something that's not really love the way we judge it to be, you know, good, something good, but it's benevolent. That's the word. There's something about this that's benevolent. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm not Absolutely. sure if you have experienced that too, but or have realized that, Shelley, but there's something here that's trying to realize itself. It's trying to see, recognize itself. It seems very benevolent. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I might not leave that experience um, like 24-7. I don't, but I'm, <laughs> I'm definitely connected to it and it's, it's visiting me um, more often than not. I was invited to give a talk um, in the Science and Non-Duality conference uh, that uh, took place in uh, Italy uh, a few years ago. And I remember I had a, I had one of those kind of like breaking through, I like to call this what, what sometimes people are referring to as, um, as, as breaking through the, the illusion and the, the benevolence. I was lying on the, 
so the retreat was taking place in a in a castle and there was a big storm and all of a sudden the skies cleared out and I took my iPhone and I put uh, Beyonce yeah. in my <laughs> in, in <clears throat> with my um, headset and I just laid on part of the wall that erected itself um, at the edges of the courtyard and it was looking onto the vineyards that are kind of like cascading down towards a lake that, that is there in the landscape. And I just lay there listening to Beyonce, enjoying the, the suns, and all of a sudden, Everything, everything around me, the trees that moved to the wind and the birds that were flying in the sky, everything blended into just, you see, this is where words are really, really limited. And all I can say is that blended into that benevolent existence that just didn't separate between me or the birds or the people down in the grass that had the workshop or what happened before and what happens down in the vineyard. It was all the same. But I can't tell you that I that I'm leaving that experience. <clears throat> Excuse me. That this is my physical reality moment to moment. But there is a there is a baseline that has been transformed through that experience and other experiences that I've had that are carrying me throughout my daily life when I need to pay my bills or when somebody says something that is, you know, unexpected and perhaps um, inconsiderate or, you know, all these kind of like little moments of life that we might not put them under the category of spirituality, but they are definitely part of that benevolence or that whole or, or that same reality that we're kind of like trying our best to describe with words. That's the experience. Yeah, I have had them too, the experience. It seems to me like the experience is trying to get to a place where it knows something that is benevolent, that's love, or that's oneness, that's wholeness again. It's trying to experience that when it's already it. it that's the thing that it's very clear to me now, that everything is it. it. There's no separation whatsoever. So this human experience we have that we might call ordinary, it's the extraordinary, but kind of um, dressed as ordinary. It, that's what is very uh, sometimes challenging for most people to understand. That's already it. This is it. It has been said before in Buddhism, I mean, so many traditions, they say, they use exactly the, that phrase, this is it. This is the destination of the journey. Yeah. Yeah. And I want to say that I, I, I appreciate that challenge. And I, and again, you know, I, I, I face that challenge myself during, during the day because, um, you know, that, that's part of my experience. And, and I, and I appreciate that challenge. And I, I would like to add that if there is anything that the experience wants to get to, is not necessarily that it wants to get to, but it wants to evolve. Like there is a constant, there is a constant stream of, of flow. And just as we are growing and we tend to perhaps see how we grow with age or how we grow with our um, income or how we grow with our diplomas or the status or so all that, all these kind of like mundane things that we normally count, what also grows at the same time is that flow, that flow of wholeness or that flow of life or that flow of experience. And it grows in the same way. It grows in parallel. So uh, it just brings me back to that thing that in my view, in my perspective, there are different modes of reading reality. And, and I would say that it, to my understanding, even Buddhism, what it says is doesn't say I'm excluding your expectations or I'm excluding your desires or, you know, one of the things that sometimes people, I think, have a misconception about what it means or um, what is the goal, quote unquote, that it's not excluding that, 
but it reads into the depth of these experiences to see how it reshapes our sense of wholeness. Yeah, that goes back to perception, right? How perception evolves, the perception of wholeness itself. I think that's the fun. That's what the fun is in a way. Uh, the meaningful fun, I call it, or spiritual fun, which everything is. It's that exploration and that sincere desire to stand in the unknown and have fun with it. <laughs> that to me is like, can I really stay here? And I hear what you're saying that sometimes, yeah, there's this that uh, we, I feel this movement. That's what it is. There's the dream, whatever's happening here is always moving. There's a movement. But then there is the wholeness, that unconditional, that's not a center, that's not a point, it's not, a, it's not, it's anywhere, it's everywhere that never changes. It's always there. It's still and it's everything, contains everything. It cannot be seen. It cannot be experienced. That's why the words, yeah, that we cannot say, like I cannot say that I experienced what I speak about. It was not an experience. It was not a knowing either. I don't know what that was. <laughs> That's the unknown itself, I guess, <laughs> trying to become known, but it can't because it's unknown. It can be known. So let's talk about your work. You write in a book, Healing the Mother Wound transforming a painful relationship with your mother and stepping into your wholeness. Talk to me about the main inspiration and also intention of writing this book. Mm -hmm. um, that's actually a, a kind of like an interesting story of how things can reincarnate and, and become something that you actually it didn't even dream it and reality dreamed it for you. Um, I, um, I wanted to find a way to translate some of my, my coaching work and what I see that is coming up, um, often in my work with women into a video course. And, um, I started working on that course and I more or less kind of like finished, uh, writing the whole flow for that. And it was really around how women who have had a difficult relationship with their mother in their childhood are still carrying a lot of the unresolved relationship and how it's embedded in their life questions that they have and the challenges that they have as, as adult women, like difficulties to trust other people, um, even if, you know, the loved ones or the good friends, um, or finding it difficult to say no, to put some boundaries, to to, and to do that with, with confidence and, uh, you know, not apologetically or in, in an aggressive way, because otherwise you just can't fathom the, the energy to do that. Or another thing is, is the difficulty of, of, of always kind of like coming back to core issues that came up in that relationship and feeling shame about that or feeling a failure. And so I was putting all these, these, uh, themes into a kind of like a flow for a video course. And, um, in the midst of all that, I got pregnant, but I also had a miscarriage. So that kind of like put a stop to many things in my life. It took quite a lot of time for me to go through that miscarriage because I wanted to go through it completely natural without going into any operations and taking any medications and just allowing the body to do what it needs to do. And not to mention that I, I was heartbroken. So by the time I was kind of like coming back to my work <clears throat> and to this course, I realized that I just don't have the energy to pick it up and I put it aside. And then um, the 2019, 
the the, the I think the famous uh, year started and uh, <laughs> and I thought okay I will uh, take a marketing course because I think you know it'll uh, help me put some fresh energy into my work and part of the assignments of the marketing course was to focus on one thing and to really focus that throughout the course. And I decided to take the video course that I planned and transformed it into an ebook. And as soon as I started writing, I realized, no, actually, in one month, I wrote almost 20,000 words. That's not happening into an ebook. That is a book. So that was how it evolved. And the inspiration really was to give something that would perhaps put at ease um, some of the shame or the difficulties that women who've had a difficult relationship with their mother, a neglected relationship, an abusive relationship, and to see how these difficulties that they've had in their childhood are manifesting in their adult life and to really have a deep understanding and embodied understanding of why this is not something that we have to feel like a failure or ashamed if we haven't resolved it yet or if it's coming back in different forms or different intensities and and also how awareness can serve as a healing tool in this process that can really lead us into new depth so that comes back into what we were talking about earlier in reading different or alternating depth into what is happening so there are so many points in your book, the parts, the sections that I read that really caught my attention. Things that you say that I never heard before in this way when it comes to healing. Um, you said so many things. Um, one of the things you said I have here, I have so many notes. It must hurt because pain is part of the human experience. So that kind of stopped me there. I'm like, oh, it must hurt, does it? <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's so true. That is so true. <clears throat> yeah, I think we like to have this um, this fantasy and I'm really uh, happy to hear that this resonated with you because um, there is this question that comes often from my clients and, and often it comes from the, in the form of, so let's say, um, I, I, I work a lot with what I call guided awareness. So it's kind of like picking something that comes up in the session and putting this under a very intentional observation throughout your daily life. So something that is very doable and very kind of like blendable with your, your daily life. And so, for example, I can, I can um, suggest that what comes up is to notice when you have a neediness that comes up, like you feel like you have this experience of a neediness, notice how you treat it. Are you, are you denying it, trying to ignore it? Are you feeling ready to give it more room? Does it drive you to say something? Does it clarify um, your feelings? That is clarify what you are really aspiring for? So, this is kind of like an example and gosh, I lost my thread of thought. That is very interesting. Oh yeah. And, and, um, and a lot of times my clients tell me, you know, I did that, but it's just like, it was so uncomfortable. And I'm saying, well, the point is not being comfortable. The point is reaching to a state where you're not suffering from what you're suffering. Growth is not always comfortable. In fact, it is almost always not so comfortable. So if you ask me, must it hurt? To a great extent, I would say yes, because if it's not going to hurt, you're not going to move. 
if it doesn't hurt, we're not triggered into exploration. We're not triggered into innovation. We're not triggered into collaboration, into connection, into relationship. We're static. Yeah, in the human body. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, it has been the experience here too. Yes, that's when I, I moved, <laughs> when I got hurt. Um, and for so long, I stayed hurt. And that's why I really love this work of healing. We call it healing, which is the, you call the process of awareness, becoming more aware of the processes of what's happening. Talk to me for a moment, Shelley, about the uh, interesting ideas that you bring to this world of healing. You call the three healing mindsets. I hope I got this right. I think you call the moon mind. It's one, two, wonder mind, and then the ease mind. Would you like to disclose some of these concepts here? Or Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so, you know, it's interesting how we get prepared for everything in life, mm, yeah. right? <laughs> yes, <laughs> for sure. We, yeah, we have preparations we for um, chicken cards. <laughs> Right. We have yeah. preparation for school and then we have preparation for university and then we have preparations for weddings and we have preparation for career and we have preparations for everything. But we don't have a preparation for healing. Uh, nobody prepares us for healing. It's kind of like I'm going to go to the therapist or the coach or the healer or the priest and I'm going to get healed. But what? kind of preparation? What is my initiation? How am I going to be a participant in what is happening? How am I not going to replicate the same kind of submission that I have everywhere else in life that brings me into this narrowness that doesn't allow me to realize my wholeness? How am I not going to get into healing with the same state of mind? So I actually start my book with the three mindsets, the three healing mindset that I think that are most crucial to be prepared to initiate ourselves into healing so we can discover also our inner healer because we are all healers. Yeah, we are all healers. Just think about the hug that you give someone, right? It immediately melts somebody and, and it, it just gives so much. And we, we put healing, in a sense, on some kind of pedestal. And that is also one of my intentions, that healing is not, again, as kind of like a separated concept from who we are, but it is part of who we are, and we realize that. So the first mindset is what I call moon mindset. And I use that as a metaphor because the moon waning and waxing and it's constantly filling up and emptying out and filling up and emptying out. And that is just such a beautiful way of realizing what is happening to us in life. This, this repetition of core issues, this repetition of difficulties, this repetitions of habits, this repetition of choices. Also, right? Beneficial choices, skillful choices. So the moon mindset is, um, is um, I'm guiding you in the book through how to embody that moon mindset. So if things are coming back to you in life, you have that capacity to be ready for that, to embrace that. And then the wonder mindset, the second mindset in these in these three pillars of, of healing mindsets is that ability to look at things and see their beauty, to see their splendor question. To question. To put question mark not because we want to bring doubt and, and lack of clarity, but the opposite to increase clarity by not taking taking things on face value by being being ready or being willing to kind of like transition into 
um, another state of seeing things. And I think this is really also like where we begin to see a lot of the things that we were talking about at the beginning of our conversation, that what we see has so much depth to it. And if we are sinking through all this depth, we can see, wow, it's a dream and I'm dreaming of that or dreaming of that, right? And so the third mindset is is mindset, which I think is kind of contrary to everything that we've to that everything is hard work that everything has to be worked hard for that I need to work hard on myself I'm going to healing because I'm working on myself right it's kind of like the figure of speech that that reflects the state of mind that we have around healing and around that becoming better about betterment so is mindset is really an invitation to see a different way of approaching ourselves and what we want to heal or how we want to rejoin with the wholeness within us, how we can tune in, how we can let go, how we can embrace, how we can rejoin and rejoice. That is the essence of, of his mindset. So you can see that with these three mindsets, there is already a huge preparation that goes into this this journey of of what I call healing. So there are so many other topics in your book. Let me see. There's something else that caught my attention that I never heard this way before, and it's so true. When you talk about being vulnerable in relationships, so you said the mother wound was formed in a relationship and it's healing is embodied through relationships. So I'd love to hear from you a little bit about being vulnerable and then the pitfalls of that, that we could become needy and then dependent on others. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a, that's a really great question. I think one of the first things perhaps fair to say is that even though my book is in many ways categorized under what is called self-help. I don't advocate for that sort of like popular understanding of self-help. So in other words, what I'm saying is I don't write this book for you to take and you're not going to need anybody else anymore. Like you're not going to need to ask for help. You're not going to need others in whatever forms, whether it's a professional or, or loved ones, friends, or your neighbor, whomever it is, you're not going to need them. I don't advocate for that. We have each other for a good reason. Because it's in the relationship that we heal. So if we spoke about the mind earlier and I said, look, your mind is not a problem. It's that your relationship to what is happening in the mind that creates friction that we might call a problem, right? So it's in the relationship. So the mother wound was created in a relationship, in a relationship to somebody very, very important to us in life. It's, it's our mother. It's, it's the person that brought us into this life. And this is a very, very unique bond. So we can read a lot of books, and I definitely hope that people are going to read my book. Don't get me wrong. But <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but at the same time, is that there, and there is a relationship in reading. I, I, I read, of course, a lot. I, I love reading. I love many uh, reading many different types of of books as well, and there is a different there is a, some some kind of relationship that happens in reading. <clears throat> but we cannot eliminate the necessity of bringing all that or translating all that into the relationship with other human being. So yes, I think that the mother wound was formed in a relationship, and it's going to heal inside a relationship. And in that, I'm also encouraging people to 
find a way to step into that relationship, to embrace that kind of relationship. And perhaps another word in that is that, you know, you and I probably know and all your listeners know that there are many healing relationships in our lives and that could be with your best friend or with your cat. Um, it can be with a stranger. It happens often, right? Sit, just sitting next to somebody in a coffee shop that you've never met before and all of a sudden you dive into some powerful conversation and you feel like, oh, something opened up in you or something got clarified, something got disentangled. So we have many different forms of healing relationship and I'm not limiting that to a healing relationship with a professional but I'm saying that and that I'm saying read the books but also don't dismiss that relationship with other humans as your source of healing so when it comes to neediness, this is very interesting. Neediness often is perceived as something bad, right? It's immature, um, it's irresponsible behavior, um, you, it's, it's, it's a projection, you, you, you cannot be needy because you have to be serious, you have to grow up. Now it comes to my mind what you said earlier about spirituality and fun. We forget, you know, forget about the joy and we forget about spontaneity and forget about the creativity. For me, neediness is something very simple. It's a need that is not being listened to. It's an important need of our heart. It's important heart wish that we're not meant to get over. We're not meant to overcome. We're meant to listen to it. We're meant to open up to it. We're meant to embrace it. We're meant to tune into its song and to understand your work is very, very clear when it comes to navigating the reality of perceptions and suffering and healing. It's very accurate from my perspective. Points that caught my attention, like incredibly, you say to be fully ourselves demands that we be original. Go back to the origins of parts of our story we've, we have rejected. So true. And then you said something else that I actually highlighted red here, probably resonated even strongly. <laughs> you said, every woman with a mother wound has inside her a childhood image of the good girl waiting to be activated so she can be loved. The timeless fairy tales teach us that finding one's own resolution is by not following the expected steps. I mean, the second part kind of interested me, but I seem not to understand exactly what you mean by expected step, which I, I do and I do at the same time. But I, I love that you mentioned this, that we have this desire to be loved. We want it to be loved and we do anything to have that activated, you know, that this, which we already are. We already are that, that love that we are looking for. So that really caught my attention and resonated through from my own experience. Yeah, it reminds me that one of the clients that I that I worked with, she um, she was looking for a partnership. So she was she was divorced and she went through quite a lot in her life, and she was still very young and wanted to find a relationship that really aligns with who she's become right. and so she dated uh, quite a few people and each time it felt like okay it's coming closer it's coming closer but it's not that right. and then one day she kind of like left me a message and she said you know how I told you about this last guy that I met and we've had such a good first meeting and we went for in the to the forest and we've had a really long chat but then 
it kind of like disappeared. And she began to feel like, should I make contact? Should I not make contact? Um, what does it mean about me? And and many people, you know, many of us, we, we have these kind of little dilemmas of, of, of what to do next, what, what kind of like, and just right there, just at that moment, we can see how that little girl that wants to be loved and wants to do the right thing is fleshed out. Because me saying, I need a connection feels like I'm going to chase that person away because maybe they're not going to appreciate me. Maybe that's not what expected of me. What expected of me is if I get silence, then I should be silent as well. Right. And this is just an example to kind of like dress up something that happens to so many of us. And it happens in many different forms, in many different details. And you can translate into, you know, conversations with your boss or how to take the next step in your career. Or, But just right there, just right there at that moment, it's kind of that, that little girl that feels afraid of doing the wrong thing, because if she does... She's not going to be loved. She's going to be abandoned. Right. And, and to not follow that trigger means to not follow the expected steps. And this is where, yeah, so we really call to listen into, but what is it that I need? I need more communication. Some people don't. There is no right and wrong in that. Right. There are no rules. Right. And that's the hard part, right? There is no real oh, menu yeah. of how right. to be right. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> yes. And so we need, to, we need to read ourselves and mm. to say, okay, if that triggers my fear of abandonment, if that relationship triggers my fear of abandonment, if that opportunity triggers my fear of abandonment perhaps I need to take another look am I being expected now to be the good girl am I kind of like falling into that trap to be the good girl because a mother's love and to that extent any kind of love this is where we feel like we mustn't be needy but hey who can live without love Oh, <laughs> love. How do I define love? Again, I, I, will, I will avoid defining it. You know, the Buddha in the scripts, in the, Buddha, in the Buddhist texts, um, said something very poignant that comes to me, uh, came to me a few times during our conversation. So I'm going to put it out there. He said, you protect the truth by protecting the view. You protect the truth by protecting the view. So to kind of like unwrap it just a little bit, a lot of the teachings is taking care of the view or perception, as you've mentioned a few times. Noticing that the perception that we have is not the truth with capital T and capital T. It's not the one thing. It's not the one absolute thing. It's not the single definition of the reality that is happening because there are the different alternating realities, the different reading of realities. So when we are noticing the view through which we look at the world or understand what is happening right now to us in our lives, then we can understand truth but we never were never really able to say this is the truth because mm. it's unboxed. Yeah. So I would say yeah. love is that thing mm. that is unboxable. <laughs> <laughs> yes, <laughs> unspeakable. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and it is. Yeah. Yeah. To me, mm. love is everything. It's everything. I use the word unknown for now. It, it kind of it's a simple word to use. It's amazing when we can get comfortable with that, that we don't know, but you know, it feels good or it doesn't and that's okay. <laughs> good or not, it's just a 
flowing seems to me like always going back to flow and acceptance of what's happening, how it's happening unconditionally. That might be what we are trying to say here with love, but that's just uh, the perception. So we're almost at the end. We didn't get to talk about boundaries. That has been one of my biggest challenges in the experience in the human body. Saying no, whoa, that it might go back to that trying to be good and nice all the time. So I, I'm not rejected and I get the love that I feel I need. And you're right about that. We all need that sense of belonging and love, but we already it. Love to how you don't deny the experience of relationships. So if we can hold those two ideas that the paradox really that we already hold, we don't need anything, but at the same time we do. <laughs> So that's when the kind of the fun, the dance really happens. <laughs> If we can be like in Buddhism, they say the middle way or in, in Zen Buddhism, I believe. I'm not sure. That might be what you are bringing here under this dress of healing. We are using the word healing, but basically you just kind of uh, including everything, integrating everything. That's unconditional love from my perspective, the integration. I love when you talk about loss and grief that's also connected to healing and I never uh, really, which makes sense to me, but I don't hear that that often. So you have so many fresh perspectives on healing that is really worth having more conversations about. And I hope we do in the future. And creativity, how that uncover uh, limiting beliefs, uh, so true. And I love how you add it to, I mean, I can't stop mentioning because it's so interesting you Having a book, somebody that I never heard about, the actress and writer Portia Nelson, I think her name is pronounced, not sure. She kind of puts that in five short chapters. Yeah, it's called, um, yeah, Autobiography in, uh, four, in uh, five short chapters. Yeah, okay, that's the title, right? Yeah, the poem. That is just wonderful. It's the word I can use for it, because when I read it, I'm like... I never heard of this before. <laughs> That resonates true. And then when I see chapter five, I walk down another street. That means the change of perception. Now you're shifting. Now what we call consciousness, the awareness is just kind of completely shifting, really. Now we're talking about this very, I mean, it's almost like a rebirth from my view, right? It's your reburn. Before I ask you my last Final questions, Shelley. Would you like to add anything or read a passage from your book that's not published yet? Yeah, you know what? What comes to me is to perhaps read the end of Ease Mind, where I offer this form of a blessing or an offering. Oh, it's beautiful too. Yes, yeah, the very end. Right, right. Mm -hmm. Yes, please. So I'll start with the last paragraph uh, before I go into this uh, offering. I love the expression falling in love. Love makes us rise. It gives us the feeling of standing up on our feet ready for anything. Falling in love describes the physics of love. It is in the falling into the letting go and giving in to the gravity of a greater wisdom that we find ourselves standing firmly on a new ground. Still, letting go remains one of the more elusive and volatile invitations. I'd like to offer you a prayer, like pebbles you can throw into the pond of your moment and watch with sweetness the way the water moves to the gestures of your offering. May ease be the sap flowing through my spine as I find a permission to taste the mellifluent nectar of my heart. May ease be the germination ground for the permission to care like I care, to forgive or not forgive, to fall down like a shooting star, to cry without any barriers, to slow down. May ease be my true north when I find the permission to be misunderstood, to be a fervent advocate of my own truth, to grow unapologetically into my own bloom. May ease be my ancestors and my future. 
my, my wings of discovery, the garden of all my soul's petals. Beautifully written. And the intention can be felt, that desire to not just help yourself in the experience in the human body, but to pass that on, to expand that. It's really beautiful. Thank you, Shelley. Mm, thank you for the resonance. Thank you. What is another word for healing? Love. If you knew you would die soon, meaning leaving, losing the body, would you make any change or do anything in a different way? Well, it depends what you mean by soon. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> How soon? <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, if I knew that I'm going to die, like in the next week, then I'll just stop everything and just hang out with every everyone that I love. Um, I'll make contact with people. Um, maybe even people that I'm that I that I haven't been in touch for a long time. Yeah. Um, but if I knew that I have another year or like three years, I don't know. I think a lot of the things I would I would do the same, but with the, with a, with that kind of greater consciousness of making the most out of the relationships in my life and out of the the things that I really enjoy because I really love everything that I do. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Thank you so much, Shelley, for your presence, the wisdom that flows and uh, the love that can be felt. The love, the idea of love we have, of connectivity, of warmth and acceptance that can be felt in harmony, that can be felt talking to you. So thank you for that. And before we say goodbye, where can we find more information about you, your book, that when it will be released, and the services you offer, new projects? Thanks for asking. So um, you can find me on my website. It's ShellySharon.com. And there is also a page on the book. So the updates go there. If you go to my website, you can subscribe to my newsletter, where you'll also receive a gift of three emails with some suggestions and guidance on how to come back home to yourself. So that's one way of getting in touch with me. I do offer one-to-one -one life alignment coaching. So people are very much uh, invited to, to get in touch and everything can be done through the, the website. And I also have um, meditation courses where I offer on different themes throughout the year, like about love or self-love and change. So that information can be found also on the, on the website. And when people are signed up to my um, newsletter, they could get all those updates and weekly newsletters about how to live life more fully or how to realize that fullness that we spoke of directly into their inbox. I'll have the link on your podcast profile too. Thank you so much again, Shelley. We'll talk soon. Bye for now. Thank you. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Shelly Sharon and her work, please visit ShellySharon.com. To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. Thank you again for listening and bye for now.